Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgian Ghost reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest news in mixed martial arts. And of course, as always, it's big news. That's right. Our latest update on the Francis Ngannou situation. Now that we've heard from the big guy, we can res- uh, respond about what was said by the big guy. And, of course, the debut of the Power Slap League. Gotta talk about it. I know some of you don't even want to hear that. But it involves the biggest figure in our sport, or one of them at least, Dana White. It's his league. A few of the others, uh, like Hunter Campbell is the matchmaker. <laughs> I don't even think you need a matchmaker, right? But uh, he is the official matchmaker. I guess they got a president. They got coaches. They're doing it just like tough. I watched the first episode because I thought I owed it to the audience that does have some interest. It is our job, so we'll talk about that. And Diego Sanchez. We'll talk to Diego Sanchez, who's got a big fight coming up in bare knuckle against Austin Trout, a former boxing champion. Should be a fun show. All right, man. Do you want... The bad or the good first? All that you choose. What's crazy about the situation that we're in here in our sport is I don't know which is which. So let's go with the good. Okay. I should have said this uh, during the intro, but I'll say it now. Goes and I are hosting a watch along in a few days. It's for UFC 283. It is fight week. Should have said that. Should have mentioned the watch along. But here it is just a few minutes later. Join us at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for our watch-along. Goes and I will watch the fights along with you guys. Four fights on the prelims, five fights on the pay-per-view, including two title fights. And if you've kept it locked on MMA Junkie all week, like I always tell you to, then guess what? You've seen a lot of coverage. Ken Hathaway is down in Brazil covering the event for us. And the Embedded's are pouring in. The Media Day is pouring in. Good stuff. I'm starting to get fired up, even though I'm a little under the weather. Uh, and don't forget, our colleague Fada Hanoon does her preview show right before us, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. It's always a fun time there. I've jumped on there with a few, uh, jumped on there a few times with her as we get prepped for the event. Anyway, um, you said the good, right, Goes? Mm-hmm. All right, the good. Francis Ngannou. Hmm. Where do we start? So Francis Ngannou who you all are aware is no longer in the UFC. Him and the UFC parted ways. He did an interview on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. Then he updated, then he did something on his uh, YouTube channel. And he does seem to be at peace with his decision. He also said his freedom is more important than the money. And he also kind of clarified what it was that he wasn't able to get as part of his lucrative deal 
that made him want to not sign the contract. What he did say was the money was all right. I didn't have a problem with the money so much. Sounds like that could have been figured out, but it was a few different stipulations and a lot of them had to do with other fighters as well and and fighters in general. Kind of like what we've always talked about a fighter union. He wanted a fighter advocate. So I guess like when decisions are made, there's an athlete that can come to the table and say, well, this is kind of what we what we were thinking. This is what we think would be in the best interest for us. So almost like a, a leader, like a union leader of sorts. Mm-hmm. And arbitrator or whatever they're called. I was proud of him for saying that, to tell you the truth. You know, he he just wants to, I guess, you know, fight for the fighters. He realizes that he has a strong position and he was kind of willing to take one for the team. But he wanted to do something where when Reebok or Venom say, we want to do this, the fighter has a say. Well, well, what, what about this? Kind of like a pushback. And then you collectively bargain, which is a term you use a lot in, in uh, union talk, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that was one of the things that stood out for me. You know, health insurance. I, I, I got to update myself on health insurance because I remember you, you were always covered in a fight. Even LFA and Age Warriors, if you fight, it's not like they break open the checkbook, right? They have an insurance that does that. So every promoter has to have an insurance on fight day. And so you're usually covered pretty much in any promotion for the serious stuff like that. What you're not covered for is, um, you know, when you're not fighting. Then the UFC expanded their health coverage where it was kind of like, from what I remember goes, you were kind of covered for training and for the fight. They made a big deal out of it. Now I keep hearing again that it's back to the fight. So that's where I'm going to I'm going to call a manager uh, friend of mine and ask him, what's 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 the deal here? You know, because I know you can't just hop on a motorcycle and, you know, go riding every weekend, for example. And then inevitably you do get hurt. Will the UFC cover that? Probably not. But in training 365 days a year, I was under the impression. Yes. Um. So did he want a more expanded health coverage? Sure. Yeah, why not? You know, I mean, the UFC can always say these are 1099s, these are independent contractors, or they're not employees. Well, that's true, but you sure do treat them like that. And I think that's what Francis Ngannou is trying to figure out is, why is it sometimes you do when it benefits you and sometimes you don't when, again, it benefits you? Why can't we come to some sort of an agreement? I mean... And and I kind of do agree with him in that regard. Collectively bargain, like let's 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 make progress, you know, so that they can have a little bit more than what they have now. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird uh, situation because you know when you talk about health insurance, like there's other things that can get you in life, right? Look look at Anthony Johnson; he just passed away, right? Like, um. And in order to afford these types of insurances and stuff, you you have to get paid accordingly, right? Not everybody makes Francis and Ganu money, right? So you and I both know like how much it costs to, to to be insured in Las Vegas, and and so I think he's just asking for those those things. And like he said, you know, he wasn't expecting to go three for three or four for four, whatever it is he asked for, but he thought he could at least get one, and so. What, the question I want to ask is, if the money was good, 
okay, if everybody was okay with that, does it really hurt the UFC to say, look, all right, we'll give in one sponsorship patch for everyone. Word. Would that really set your company back so bad? Because, look, you got Habib Nurmagomedov, who just walked away from the sport, right? Nate Diaz also said, nah, I'm over the UFC. How many of these can your company afford before people start to go, well, why don't these people want to be here? You know, when, you, when your heavyweight champion leaves, that one kind of stings a bit. Now, I get it from the UFC's perspective. They're risking a lot, too. I understand that. And they are heavyweights, and it's not like heavyweights reign forever, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're thrown with a lot of power. So, but I, I don't know. I, I just felt like I, I thought the money would be the biggest hurdle, and then I thought everything else, you could just budge on one thing. And I thought that was maybe one that they could have budged on. The money apparently was pretty close, according to Francis. Mm -hmm. I think that's something they definitely could have figured out. It was the, I think what it sounded to him was maybe a lack of respect or a lack of wanting to even uh, converse about what he was talking about. You know, um, not to mention, I think a lot of fighters are starting to realize that a pension is pretty important. And this is what I, I've said this one for like 10 or 15 years. I think the UFC could be smart with this one. Although it sounds terrible to, to say it this way because I sound like I'm advocating for the UFC. But make it based off of um, how many fights you've had. You know, your tenure with the company. So that would be one way to maybe get fighters to maybe fight a little bit more often, right? Because you... When you get to that 10th fight, maybe you, you start qualifying for something. 15, mm -hmm. 20, 25, whatever. Now, yeah, I granted that is kind of a backhanded way of kind of being sneaky in, in, in a way. But, hey, this is what you guys wanted. And that is kind of what we all go through in life. You don't get a pension after five years. You usually get it after 20 years. Like if you're a firefighter or something like that, you have to put in a little bit of time and then you're given different choices of when you can retire. And if you stick around a little bit longer, the pension will be a little bit more. But I think the UFC, I know they, I know there's a quote attributed to Dana in regards to that, where he's made it sound like something like that is coming. However, that was like three or four years ago and I haven't heard of anything coming yet. Now, maybe the sale changed it. Who knows? But I still feel like I've, dude, I remember, I remember saying when the pay-per-view was about, 45 and we became 50 or 55 and became 60. I remember saying, you know what? I don't even care if the next five from maybe every pay-per-view goes into that pension. I honestly don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's important tying it into everything that's been happening right now with some of their fighters that are just big ones too, man. Big ones that really had a huge impact on the UFC you would think that that would be a little bit more of a wake-up call, you know? And I, I just think it would say a lot for your company. Dana does, like, make make it, phrase it like, hey, this is just an opportunity, man. You're in and then you're out, you know? And I don't – I think that's where he's inconsistent. How is it that sometimes it's like this little opportunity? You know, like, hey, goes. I noticed you uh have a boat, you know, up in Newport Harbor. I got an opportunity for you, man. 
go to this island and some shady guys from Colombia are going to give you some briefcases. Bring them back for me. That that's that seems more like a, an opportunity, you know, or something like that. Or, or you have a, a private plane that's going to fly back and forth. Then there's times where he says, this is a sport. We're going to be like the NFL and MLB. We're going to be the biggest sport ever. Sport, 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 buttoned up. We, you know, we're proper. We, we got athletes. They're educated, this, that. He goes back and forth on that. And I get it. He's a carnival barker. He's a promoter. He's supposed to. I, I really do get it. But what he doesn't get is that these are human lives he's playing with, you know? It's nice to care about human lives and do stuff that maybe other commissioners wouldn't do, like tell him, Dennis Hallman, we're going to pay you your show money and your win money. Just go home because your house just burned down. You don't even have to fight. Or other other fighters that he took care of, you know, back in the day, so Spencer Fisher, or, <coughs> excuse me, or whoever else, you know, because there have been great things that he's done. How can you have that compassion and empathy? And then other times just almost turn your back on on your other athletes. I, I, I don't get it. He's really good at it. But you know what? I want I do want to clear one thing up at the same time. Fighters aren't saints either. And they find ways to take advantage as much as they can possibly do as well. So yeah. it does go both ways, but it just seems like the UFC is a little bit more blunt on their side. And their story doesn't always add up. But fighters do. I mean, look at TJ Dillashaw. He knew that shit was going to happen in that fight. He knew it. He knew it. If it popped out 20 times in training camp, you don't think it's going to pop out in that fight. He knew it. But who knows? Maybe if he was paid accordingly, then he doesn't take that type of fight. Or, you know, he doesn't have to do that. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, like I said, man, I I feel like they could have come to an agreement. And so now I'm curious what people outside of our sport that cover other sports think when the heavyweight champion takes off and does this, like, I think it does kind of set us back a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit, you know, like if, if Tom Brady in his prime just decided, nah, I'm going to go play in NFL Europe or something like that. Like, no way that ain't going to look good. There's no way they would let that happen. They would figure it out. And uh, I think it's kind of shocking that they didn't figure it out here. And that was the other thing he wanted was the ability to just kind of roam free in and out of the contract, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think that there's one opportunity, and it's the box Tyson Fury for a huge amount, and that's it. I don't really know that there's going to be some roaming in and out unless he beats Tyson Fury. Then why would you come back to MMA, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he's looking at it like the same thing that happened with Conor McGregor. Now, I know we always say Conor McGregor's a unicorn. What he got to do, no one else will be able to do. Well, why is that? Why can't others do it? You know, um, the UFC co-signed because they could make money off it. That's why they co-signed. With Francis, they're not going to be able to make any money off whatever him and Fury are able to to get if he fights Fury. I don't know. It sounds like that's what what the big fight is. But roaming in and out, I don't think there was going to be too much of that. Uh, and I think he has to realize we can't, man. You're the you are our heavyweight champion. When you're healthy, we need you fighting here, not boxing or doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So he did it the way he's supposed to do it. He finished out the contract in December and couldn't come to terms. So now he can go out and box. And guess what, folks? I think he's going to be back. I was telling Ghost before the show, 
UFC 283 is built around one of the guys that was away from the UFC for a while. He came through the Ultimate Fighter, won a few fights, lost a few fights. They parted ways, the flyweight division they weren't sure of. And now guess what? He's a big star for him, Brandon Marino. Now he's back with them. So a lot of fighters have come and gone, and I think he can as well. Uh, Rumble Johnson did it. You think you mentioned him earlier? Um, and Dan Henderson, Fabrizio Verdum. You know, I, I think I mentioned some of the champions on Monday show that have that have done it. it. It's not like it can't happen. Someone just leaving the way they did though hasn't happened since BJ Penn. It's got to be pretty embarrassing for the UFC because this one's different. BJ Penn, love him, big star back in the day, but something comes with being the heavyweight champion. That's the title of baddest man on the planet. And right now, the UFC, who is supposed to have the baddest men and women on the planet, don't have the baddest man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, he may wind up with another MMA organization or, again, like I was telling goes, he'll box and come back. Maybe we're all freaking out for no reason. I, no, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. He acquired a, a bag, and good for him. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. I think he's going to go out. He's going to box. I think minimum he's going to make twenty million. Add in whatever sponsorships you can you can throw on there: Armani, Gucci, Rolex, a couple million there from that. Then he probably I imagine would get some sort of cut from the pay per view, which in boxing is way bigger than it is in the UFC. He's going to make a great amount of money. And then probably come back. Yeah. Well, we will follow him wherever he goes. I predict it will be Fury. Fury's got that Usyk guy coming up. But after that, I think he'll fight. And I don't think Fury's got much more time any either. And so I think he's basically beaten the big guys that uh, his contemporaries, you know, right now. And he's content. And so now fighting in Ghana would just be kind of like the final chapter, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a wonderful career for him if he can pull it off. And uh, Goes did mention, I'll give him credit, maybe one little pit stop at BKFC if they can rally enough money on his way back to MMA. But I just don't think, well, after he told us, after he revealed that the money was close, I thought, ooh, that squeezes out Bellator and PFL. I don't think those guys want to be paying $8 million to someone that, they can't really offer much competition unless it's just to say, hey, look, we got the baddest man on the planet. Watch him steamroll everyone. Tune in. Maybe that's a lot of money. They can't do it uh, long-term contract, but maybe one fight they can give them something. PFL with the pay-per-view? Yeah. Something they don't like have that. anyone ready to compete against them. Though. Who would they throw against them? I mean, none of their heavyweights have really stood out as you know, top 10 guys or anything like that. Like like Bellator, for example, has got Johnny Eblem. He got – he's undefeated, mm-hmm. won 12 fights, like seven of them at Bellator, six of them at Bellator. But when he beat Gegard Mousasi, he told – he showed us, hey, that's a name, and I took him out. I embarrassed him. PFL, they don't really have anyone uh, that's like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think uh, your leading candidate would be BKFC. Okay, here's a lot of money. Fight Ben Rothwell. And I think he he thinks all right, they can go in there and, and knock this guy out on the way back to the UFC. Yeah, power slap league. What do you think of that, man? It was brutal, dude. Um, let's just let's clear something up right now. It doesn't matter that it's Dana White's power slap league. 
I'm, I'm going to give you my opinion of it. It could have been Mother Teresa's power slap league, right? This is my honest opinion. To me, I just felt like you were escorting cattle out there to get slaughtered. Um, none of this seems like it has a shelf life, you know, where somebody's going to be doing this for a long time. The the dude whose lip just got split. Like, I know that MMA is dangerous, and I get that these things happen in MMA, but you also have the opportunity to defend yourself in MMA. You can get through a fight without getting even hit once if you're good enough, right? But in this one, you are coming in, you're saying, hit me with your best shot that could just completely obliterate my brain cells. And aside from that, just the fact that, like, Let's just say I can get past all of that. The rules, I think you got to get a little better with, uh, there were guys that clearly were KO'd, eyes rolling back in their head, and they still have this 30-second count where they're like, if you can put it together, get back up, and, and, and you could send one back to him. And granted, some of those got to maybe 10 seconds where, where the referee just went, all right, now he's just too messed up. But some of them didn't. And um, that, to me, just goes against what you're kind of promoting in mixed martial arts, being able to defend yourself. And it just looked really bad, man. Like, I, I honestly think somebody, if this has the same amount of history that the UFC does or whatever, like, someone's going to die in this. It's just sticking your chin out and letting somebody blast you like that. And it's rough. It really is. It is rough. That's a good example of the cattle out the slaughter or the gladiators out to entertain and just pretty much be a piece of meat and get killed for the pleasure of the gladiator or the emperor. Because they're not coming back every month. Can't do that. It's like the standing eight count, that standing 30 count. And that's one thing that in MMA, we've always said, hey, in MMA, when you're out, you're out. There ain't no standing eight count. You know what I mean? And the standing eight count kind of saves you to go take more damage. Sometimes you come back and win the fight, but still, along the way, you're still going to take more damage. Uh, but how do you so, come back and win the fight? You have the possibility of locking this guy up, right? Recovering, maybe submitting them. Here, you don't have that opportunity. You just get up, you throw your punch, and you hope you can knock him out. But if you don't, guess what's coming back your way? And there's no matrix here. You're not dodging that. It's going to hit you. Well, That's one guy was smart. One guy was able to get himself together. I think it was Jules Scott's opponent against his other, against the tall white dude. He was able to say, "Yeah, yeah, I, I can recover." And then he went in there and got once one more slap in. But then I think he said, "I'm good." After that, he didn't want to get slapped back, mm-hmm. which I thought was smart because um, he knew he couldn't take one more. But he figured I composed myself enough to get one more in, which means possibly I can knock him out. But he made the decision. I'm good. One guy said I'm good on his knees, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they started by promoting there's going to be fights in the house. Usually they don't allow that on tough. Like two guys look like they wanted to headbutt each other. A couple guys went and fought on the ground. So I don't know if they're going to let these guys get away with a little bit more since basically, you know, a couple guys tussling. I mean, that's usually frowned upon in the ultimate fighter house, but here it might not be a big deal because really we just need you to be able to stand up and slap each other. I don't know. That's the other thing I don't understand is the premise of this is to find the best slap fighters in the world. However, I don't feel like you're doing that. You're bringing people on where you're almost explaining it to them on the spot. Like, this is what you got to do. 
there was one guy who just looked like uh, I challenge you to a duel. You know, like he was just kind of doing one of these slaps. Did it three times. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Me and like, my buddies have slapped each other harder at Legends Bar in Costa Mesa. I thought maybe the other guy had a fly on his face or something. You know, he was trying to help him out like that. Was he the first one? Did he not see everything that happened leading up to that? Like, are you telling me that you thought maybe that guy was one of the best in the world? Like, come on, man. Like, that's why I'm saying that's why it feels like like cattle just being brought out to, to the slaughter. One guy had one eye, one eye, and they, they just now figured out oh, he probably can't, he probably can't do this. Did they tell him that? I know, man. That was that wasn't good either. They they knew already. They knew that he wouldn't be sanctioned, but I guess he's just an entertainer and let's get the KO on TV to draw people in. Seemed kind of cheap, you know? I think when Furio slapped that B in quotation marks off that doctor, off Junior Soprano's doctor, he slapped harder. But <laughs> you got a B on your head. Um, uh, they got, I, I couldn't believe when they were going, they were trying to make it sound like a sport. We got weight classes 170, 185, you know, 205 heavyweight. I was just kind of like making this Frank Mir face. Then they showed like the president of the league, which okay, you know, and Dana's the founder. Okay, I guess this is the guy that did found the league. He's the money behind. This is the president. He kind of knows all the rules. He'll make the decisions. Um, then they had a matchmaker, Hunter mm-hmm. Campbell, who's one of the studs at the UFC, a big decision maker in the UFC. Why is he a matchmaker here? Like, is it really that hard to just go, yeah, you two, get in there? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I guess they're really going to rank these guys. Come on. I think they're trying too hard. I might even just rank them just for fun because I love ranking stuff. It's just if I can get past, you know, the dislike that I kind of already have for this. Um you know, Dana said one of the reasons he did it because he was scouring the internet. He saw millions of views of some Russian videos. Uh, well, Russians in Russia doing this. You know, a lot of videos. And I'm thinking there's probably a lot of things that garner a lot of millions of videos. You know, there used to be a whole show out of people wiping out. And then they would send it into. to... Um, the guy that passed passed away, what was his name? Bob uh, Saget. America's oh, Funniest man. Videos. And people just, you know, the, the guy on MTV does it, Rob Deirdre. Like, yeah, you know, we find out they wiped out, they're safe. Oh, my God, wow. You know, they, they, they kind of make us sometimes laugh or sometimes like, oh, my God, show concern. But I don't know if that's a whole reason enough to, to do this, you know, just because it's ha- like – what about those 600 versus 600 videos that they do in Russia where they all go out there and collide and fight mm-hmm. and they break them up and sometimes they hug it out or whatever? Like, I bet you that does millions of videos. You're going to do a whole league over that too. You know, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like, bro, you are the president of a proper sports franchise that's made a ton of money. This is, this is, uh, uh, it's like a step back in your own personal you know, resume. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Uh, it'd be like Bill Gates being involved in bullfighting in Tijuana or something. You know, like, Man. why would you do that when you have Microsoft and it's uber successive and you're uber successful? Why do you even need to dabble with this? 
I think he's just the bored rich white dude, man. Honestly, I think the way the way they set it up, I think people will be entertained. I think the first episode, people probably found it entertaining. Come back, maybe even the second one, but I think it'll start to lose steam uh, because you're just gonna realize it's kind of the same shit over and over. Um, the they got to get rid like the uh, here's another okay so you you're laughing about Hunter Campbell being the matchmaker I was laughing at the coaches like do you really need a coach in this a coach should be changed to like a tipster right because really I don't know year three into your tutelage is he really gonna are you really gonna show up for practice and go oh we're working on are you telling me this this oh man you're great you're the greatest over yeah. what, what could he possibly tell you past five minutes. That's going to change your life. There's not much that goes into this. Maybe, hey, a little bit more with the hips. Gotcha, dog. Thank you. Thank you for your tip. But a coach, like he's really going to, over a period of time, teach you new things. Man, you can learn everything you need to know about slap fighting in about 10 minutes, right? And Dana was pushing it, too. They're going to get so much better. They're going to be 10 times the athlete when they leave here. No, they aren't. They're barn animals right now. Like, uh, There's just not really much to it. You know what I mean? It's like teaching a, a donkey to kick harder when when someone or another animal's behind it. Like I, I, I don't know. I always love it when someone has the ability to make money. I don't care how weird it is, but not not when not at the risk of your own brain cells or someone else's brain cells. Um, I honestly goes. I was thinking about this. Why don't they just have a foot stomp league? You know, like mm-hmm. why don't they have uh, don't you think a leg kick a leg kicking competition would be more fun? Um, so they stand there and you can kick once to the tie, once to the calf, and then you get one that's uh, you don't know where it's going. You can go high or low, right? Um, at some point, someone's gonna go, "Oh, I can't take it no more. I'm out," you know. And so you got your finality there. It's kind of, I guess that would be your KO. Maybe you could strategize a little bit, but you're not you're not concussing anyone, and it's still pretty funny. I think that's what made Dana White <laughs> attracted to this is he watched it, and he was probably laughing at some point, going, "Did you see that?" And I think the leg kicking competition would have a little bit of that. I I just don't understand why someone needs to be concussed when we're trying to kind of stop that. Look at the way they've cleaned up football. I mean, you you just can't hit like you used to. You know what I mean? All this targeting, defenseless guy, and easing back. Uh, I saw someone get sacked the other day, and it was safe. He led with the shoulder. He just happened to land on the quarterback, and the referee was like, well, yeah, but you can't just pancake him either. It's like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that one. Yeah, so, um, he wasn't there. Like, he was in the back watching on the TV. But I think when these fighters – go back and watch it and they see the reactions that he had bro that is the same reaction of like when you would see uh two dwarfs fighting each other or something right on youtube and one of them goes flying out of the ring or like he just had this look of just like this is so funny to me you getting the shit slapped out of you i I, i'm sure their opinion will change a little bit of of you're an athlete versus you're just a guy that i love getting the shit slapped out of like that just entertained me so much. Like, I was, ah, dude, it's weird, man. I mean, I can understand why, how some people will want to watch this. I get that, but uh, to me, it was just a little too brutal. Well, wait till you hear this, though, goes. 
I have two nieces here from Peru, right? Mm -hmm. They watched it with me. So I jokingly said, would you do that? No, no, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it. Oh, okay. Well, what if they offered you 50 grand? Sign me up, one of them said. Sign me up. I'll fight. The other one said, here's my passport number. So guess what? There are people that are going to want to do this if that money is right. There's just like a price on everything. Yeah. Right? One time, and, though, right? They didn't say sign me up for a league. <laughs> no, I think they were under the impression that it might be a league. It wasn't just going to be one slap. I think they, they kind of understood that it could be a total of three. They watched not the whole episode with me, but a little bit. But so those guys that might see Dana White, yeah, they might think, okay, this wasn't kind of cool, I guess. But um, but they're there to pick up some money. You know, they did it at a bar somewhere. It was popular on a Tuesday night. And now all of a sudden they're going to make a professional league out of this. Sure, I'm in. Give me that belt. Give me the money that comes with it. Fame. Um, Fame is what they're chasing, I think. You know, it, it's like being the guy that can eat the most hot dogs, that Kobayashi followed by Joey Chestnut or whatever. This is, just happens to be some bizarre deal out there that's kind of popular. And if you can make money, there's going to be people that do it. But, yeah, the coaches are going to fight on a pay-per-view. I can't believe they're going to make people pay for this. I couldn't believe it when they had to render the judge's decision. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you need judges to see uh, – like you could tell who was more jacked up between the two, but I guess occasionally you were need. I didn't. I was. I wasn't disappointed in Mark Smith and Jason Herzog. I understand their decision. They work for the commission. If the commission hires them, sure, it's a paycheck. I just didn't want to see them there, but I understood their hustle. But I think they're accomplished refs. They put in so much time in mixed martial arts. They've reached the top. And it reminds me of like though every once in a while you'll get an NFL referee mm -hmm. that'll kind of be the referee for yet again like the hot dog contest. They'll bring him out there in his whistle and his <laughs> strip shirt, you know. And everybody can kind of giggle it off, but again, this one just has that other connotation of just it's 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 a little beneath you. I want I want to ask them about that. They don't have the choice not, though, right? I'm they not trying to tell something. Yeah, but I think you know, it can always decline. Now, I don't know if that comes back to bite you in the ass, but I think you can always decline. I don't know. But just when they were going through their steps and the rules, trying to make it sound more legit, I was like, oh, my God. Um, Jason Herzog and Mark Smith and Chris Tyone are great referees. I want to see them in these actual legitimate sports that are human chess matches. I don't want to see them in this, but if they do it, that's fine. Someone's got to do it. But uh, I just think they're so great at what they do. Stick to that. And it's unfortunate that they don't make enough money that they wouldn't just go, no, I'll stick to this. I, I know we got our, our guests here waiting. I just want to make one last point. Sure. Uh -huh. Another prediction that I'm going to have, this shit's going to start happening in junior high and high school. Yes. I've I said that to dad as well. Dad was sitting me with, with me to the end. I go, Watch, I go. This is going to happen. Uh, at a, at younger kids are going to be doing this, and mm -hmm. it's just not going to be good. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. One last thing I wanted to say: that uh, guy Wesley Drain didn't he look like Kiko. By the time he was done, he had that big old cheek. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Doña Florinda's son. Yeah, getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he was going to sit there and cry against the wall. And go. You know, <laughs> he would cry. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. It was just like a comedy hour. 
Um, let's get to Diego Sanchez. He's been waiting long enough. Our guest here, he's got a big fight coming up at the KFC Knuckle Mania 3. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the world of MMA, now dabbling in the bare-knuckle world. That's right, BKFC's Diego Sanchez and Austin Trout. They've been signed to fight, and they're going to fight in their backyard in Burke. That's right, in Albuquerque on February 17th, uh, BKFC Knuckle Mania 3. What's up, Diego? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just, um, you know, in the, the height of the training camp, you know, where you're at that one month mark is, is a very crucial mark. You just I don't know. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I know my whole entire career at one month out. You just dial everything in. You know what I mean? You stop smoking weed every now and then if you were for sleep. You know what I mean? You dial that diet in. You just everything's everything's up everything's accelerated everything you turn every you pull out all the stops to just know in your heart and in your mind and in your soul that you earned that victory more than the other guy more than the other guy maybe you suffered a little more on the mountain more than him maybe you maybe you were in the boxing gym doing better rounds than him but you because you just got to do what you got to do in this last month to to have that level of extra confidence mm-hmm. so Diego let me ask you something um, this one kind of hit us out of nowhere. In fact, when I went into your Instagram, you almost welcomed Austin Trout like, like, kind of like a homie. Glad to have you. Can't wait to see who you're gonna fight. You know, and and now it turns out to be you. Um, were you in favor of this matchup? You know, did did, did you absolutely, absolutely. Did the way the way the way the matchup went down was like this. Me and Austin have always been tight through our connection through Rob Garcia. Rob Garcia was my boxing coach, strength and conditioning coach. Worked with Oscar De La Hoya. So he worked with Austin a little bit. I was at some fights with Teresa Tapia back in 2019. And Austin was the main event, and it was here in New Mexico. So I got to meet Austin. You know, I actually even gave him a present, a pair of some some gloves, because I I was already past the point of training with with big old 16 boxing ounce gloves. And so, um, you know, we're we're friends. Yeah, we are friends. And um, when I I heard he signed with with the BKFC, it was always an option because 165 was an option for me, but I was looking, I was opting to fight at 175 pounds, and whether that be my uh, Mike Perry, uh, uh, anybody, any of the any of the 175 pounds, the 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 roster at 175 pounds, there's plenty of talent. So, um, I had this com- com- communication with with Dave Feldman. We had a conversation about it, and he's like, "Well, who? What about Austin? Because um, we the first choice that we wanted was Nick Diaz. We wanted to get that Nick Diaz out of retirement, and um, unfortunately, he's under contract with UFC. It's not going to happen. So we're like, he he mentioned it. He was like, "What do you think about Austin? I was like, "Austin, um, that's one sixty. I was all I was all one seventy five or one sixty five, and he, he's like, "Well, Austin won't go no higher than one sixty five." And I was like, well, you know what, Dave, let's do this match because this match is going to pull from the boxing fans. This match is going to pull from the MMA fans and also from the BKFC fans. I think we get the year of the three. We're getting three fan bases. It's 2023, and we're bringing three fan bases to Knucklemania 3. 
So um, I, everything just aligns real perfect. And I was like, all right, you know, Austin's the guy. You know, I, I liked him and, and I still do like him. He's cool. But the dynamics and the principles of this sport of bare knuckle fighting championship is completely different. And Austin Trout is a Philly shell fighter like uh, Floyd Mayweather, and, except he's Southpaw. And so being a being a Philly shell, you you can't block you can't block like that in in bare knuckle, man. You you got a guy like me, who's only got to go for two minutes of sprint, and I'm I'm putting these these bones on you. Whether I put these bones on your shoulder, on your arm, on your ribs, on your sternum, on your liver, on your stomach, it's gonna it's gonna do damage. So you 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 got to be aggressive, and you gotta you and you gotta be aggressive, and you gotta understand the inside fighting of inciting the clinch dirty fighting dirty boxing and that's just something that's so when bare knuckle came around in 2019 started to get its little little fire under its ass i was like i'm gonna get that little fire under my ass too because this sport was made for me two minute rounds inside fighting you know no gloves and pressure and pressure 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 and so this is going to be a, a great avenue for me to compete and um, I just think it's going to be a real statement because a lot of people are like uh, all scared for me. Like, oh, oh um, he went 12 rounds with Canelo. Their eyes are like this. He went 12 rounds with Canelo. Are you sure this is the guy? I'm like, come on, bro. This ain't boxing. And I'm not Canelo. And this is a different sport. And the moment that I get inside, the moment that I start throwing and firing on him, you know, it's just a different sport, man. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prove it to you guys. I'm going to show you guys what I'm talking about. And I'm going to be very dominant. I'm going to be very successful. And, um, yeah, you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, I guess Diego had a little more in the tank still. Right? Through your friendship with Austin, Austin over the years and through your mutual friends, did you guys ever link up and even get any form of training in? No. No, nah, we never trained together. No. Nah. We, we and, and he was down there in Las Cruces training down south and and I'm I'm here in Albuquerque. We don't really like to go down south too much, you know what I mean? It's it's you know, it is what it is. Um I went to I went to high school. I went to I, I did a little bit of college out there in New Mexico state and there ain't much to do out there and it's pretty boring to me, but we're cool and New Mexico love, but let's get one thing straight on this interview right now. Austin Trout is not from New Mexico. Austin Trout was born in El Paso, Texas. He's a Texan. And so let's not try to say this is New Mexico versus New Mexico. He might have lived in Las Cruces for a while, but he ain't a true born and bred New Mexican like myself. And so when when he's coming to my my he's coming to my city, man. And good luck, Austin. Good luck, bro. Dude, you don't even did you forget? Did you forget that it's hard to fight in Albuquerque? There's altitude and and and, and it's it's a, it's a pressure city, man. And you come from out of town, and you usually get you usually get dusted, usually get burnt out here. And we're, I'm undefeated here for a reason, and I run those mountains still. Diego, I, love I loved what you said at the beginning of this interview because it's something that I thought about. He is a professional boxer, but this isn't boxing. You're a mixed martial artist, but this isn't mixed martial arts. So, what would you say is that one intangible that it's going to come down to between both of you? Well, you guys have to understand uh, these the the dynamics of the fight, and the dynamics of the fight is I'm cutting from 185 pounds down to 165 pounds. 
um, I get, you know, it's going to be a perfect weight cut, just like I did for my Eagle FC fight. But he fought his last fight pretty lean, looking pretty lean uh, just about seven weeks ago. It was in uh, Texas. He fought in Hidalgo, Texas. <laughs> and he fought uh, at 154 pounds. So when I watched this fight, I was like, wow, well, man, he made 154. I was like, I could never make 154 again in my life. That's, that's a fact. That's a fact. And so just the fact that he's going to have, he made 154, his frame is going to be smaller than him, than mine. My bones are going to be bigger. I'm going to be bigger. I'm going to be the bigger man in there. This is going to be a factor. We're going to be about the same height, but he's going to be a little, he's going to be a little, little, little smaller frame than me, man. And that's going to be huge when I, when I put that, that, that clinch on him, man. And when he tries to get away from it. When he, you know, when he tries to flee from the clinch, what's he going to do? Go backward? Well, then I'm going to keep throwing straight shots at you, man. Then I'm going to keep attacking until I can grab you again. And then I'm going to keep attacking your body. And I'm going to try to break your ribs. And so, you know, this fight is going to be a, a real eye-opener for the world that boxing is not bare-knuckle fighting championship. And a real wake-up that boxers... They can't do that shit that they do. Like, you go watch an Austin Trout fight. He just sits right there. Like, if he was towing the line, he'd just sit on the outside. Throw jabs at air for the whole round. Like, 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 like it's like it's a, being effective. I was, I was blown away watching the footage. No insult to him. I've watched some of his. He's had some good fights. But some of them have not been good. And as far as fighting legends, yeah, he fought Canelo. I fought BJ to the fifth round. You know what I mean? Yeah, he beat Miguel Cotto. I beat Nick Diaz in his prime. You know what I mean? You want to start talking about other legends that I fought, other world champions that I fought. Clay Guido was a world champion. You know, there was there's Jim Miller's a, another legend. There's the, the list goes on and on and on. I did my shit in the UFC, and I never ever was on a padded record. More it was more of the opposite. The UFC was trying to trying to get me to get my ass kicked more than 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 watch watch out for me the way that the promoters have been protecting. Austin Trout his entire career in in the fact that you know he doesn't really fight southpaws because he can't uh, he he can't handle the the stance the stance adjustment it's a stance it's it's a difference in the stance he can't handle it the punches come at you from a different side he can't handle it he don't like it and I watched Lada knock him out and knock him down and and um, I know that I'm gonna give him problems in there I know that the size is gonna give him problems. And I, I, I think that Austin's just delusional in the fact that he thinks that he's just going to take off the gloves and just box with no boxing gloves. That's not what this sport is. We tow the line three feet away from each other. And I've been fighting with these with these fingers my entire career. Like so, And when you get into a clinch with a state champion wrestler, who, you know, like myself, it's different, man. When they put their hands on you, the hands, they've been trained, you know, they're stronger, you know, they, they weren't in a little, in, in a little pillow their, their whole career. These hands have been working. So when I get my hands on his neck, he's going to feel it. When I put these ribs, these knuckles in his ribs, he's going to feel it. And, um, I just feel very confident. I feel extremely confident. I feel like this matchup was a blessing from God. In all honesty, like it's just a blessing to rejuvenate me uh, my brand, who I am, 
um you know and and like like everybody else man we all go through shit in life man sometimes you gotta fucking take some time off get your head right clear your mind and 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 be and live for what you really are and who you are outside of your career outside of everything and for me that's that's my my faith in the lord and savior jesus christ man and that's what it's always been that's always been my purpose and my mission i'm not a pastor but i do got a great story and a great testimony and um i might have danced with one of these powerful demons that you could not imagine i've been into the spiritual realms and and i i i'm, I'm here for the people that are like myself that are interested in and and want to learn and want to know about the doubts that they have in certain areas and certain things of spirituality and 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 the crossing over of spirituality and religion is a big one but as for right now the lord has put on my heart that if i am still in combat sports i'm going to be there i'm going to be there i'm going to be around the the environment i'm going to be around the people and that's where he wants me to help these fighters to deal with some of the stuff that 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 I've gone through and and, and in, in the spiritual realms and in in, in in the relationship with 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 Christ the Lord and so yeah no yeah I'm I'm on a new walk now man I'm 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 really I, I'm really convinced that we're living in the end times with all this crazy shit like you know as far as many as you could say conspiracy theory or not but um all the crazy shit going on in the world right now i, I believe like i truly believe we're in the end times and people need to get right with their makers and um so i i'm just here trying to lead, lead the role and um i'm still going to be in combat sports because i want to help combat sports athletes i want to be there for the fighters the actual fighters to be there to have a relationship with them to be there to talk with them and pray with them and let them in on 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 my great story of 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 salvation and uh just being remade renewed and 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 blessed in the spirit i love it man and you've been a part of combat sports for a long time and i was curious when you walk through the curtain is this gonna feel just like any other combat sport you've been a part of or do you feel like nerves uh you know your spirituality is something different gonna are you gonna feel any different walking through this time no, around? no, I've, I've, I've always, um, I've always never really been too nervous about uh, fighting. I just never have really been too nervous about it my whole, my whole career. I never was nervous making the walk. Um, I think that's because I was always trained um, pretty well. You know, um, you know, I'm sure there were some fights where I wasn't at my hundred percent, but um, I, for the most part. I did the work at Jackson's all my career, and I worked with great athletes, and I and I, I put in that hard work on the mountain, and I knew I was in in, in excellent shape, and and I could push, uh, I could push myself through whatever the parameters of the fight was was going to be, and so yeah, no, I never was too 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 nervous or worried, but now going into this fight, I'm not nervous or worried. I'm just more confident. But um, it will feel a little different because uh, BKFC has a different um, production. They do a really good job with their production. I think a little better than than some other organizations. And on top of that, it's just going to be different. The fact that I'm going into the, the 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 circle ring. It's a circle ring. It's white, and um, I just I just I just like it, man. I think it's going to be fun. 
think it's going to be a, a great experience. And um, I'm just going to go out there and have, have a great time doing what I do. And um, uh, it's all about a goal. And I have a goal in mind, a goal that I have to achieve. And so I set this goal with an intention. And so now I have to go out there and do it. And it's just, you know, this, this camp's been tough, man. I've, this camp has been hella tough, man. Hella tough. Probably one of the hardest training camps of my career in just putting in that work, 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 training, 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 hot yoga, the weight and just the diet and the everything. Like it's been a lot coming off of the layoff since the Kevin Lee fight. It's been, it's been a lot of pressure and it's been a lot of hard work. And so I know that that hard work is going to build my confidence in my soul and my spirit. And when I get into that octagon with him, um, well, it's not the octagon, it's the circle. When I get into the circle with him, I've been saying octagon my whole career. So when I get in that circle, I'm going to put the pressure. I'm going to put my 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 strategy and um, I'm going to do what I do. And you guys are going to be entertained. But I'm, I'm promising you guys that people are going to be like, oh, I, we all thought Diego was washed up. And holy shit, he still got it. Same thing they were saying after the Kevin Lee fight, right? Hey, Diego, so in our time covering the sport, when we would have friends that didn't really watch mixed martial arts but wanted to start watching, that Nick Diaz fight that you were talking about, that's one that we would point them to. Watch this fight. It's got a little bit of everything. You're going to love it. And you brought up Nick Diaz, but he's under contract. What about Nate Diaz? Would, does it matter? Would, which no, Diaz? Um, no, Nate, see, Nate won't fight me because I beat his bigger brother and he uh, idolizes his bigger brother in this weird way. And I don't think he, I've been trying to fight Nate for 10 years, you know, and, but um, yeah, no, if Nate will, if, if Nate, if, if, if this performance can be so epic and so powerful and dominant and it will be, I have a chance. I have a chance at, 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 at snagging that Nate Diaz fight. Uh, that's always the fight I wanted too, because if I if I beat Nate, then I'm the first guy to ever beat both Diaz brothers. So yeah, of course I want that fight. But um, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you all right now, Nate is just like everybody else in combat sports. We're all just trying to get the highest payday we could get, so that you know what I mean. Like that's what we're trying to do: <laughs> fight, get paid the most we can get paid to do the fight. That's the business of mixed martial arts and, and, and boxing and all this shit. So he's got Conor McGregor, he's got um, Jake Paul, and he's got Floyd Mayweather. He's got those three fights that could possibly be big, huge paydays for him. So um, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be around, man. I'll be around, and, and, and definitely I'm going to throw that out there and, and, and let him know. But I'm sure he already knows because I've been calling out Nick, and he don't like that either. You know, he don't like that. But he's like, nah, man, I don't want that, that Diego Tanches. You know, and I'm like, nah, man, come on, let's do this. What's up? You you the real G? You the real G, Nate? Then take off the gloves, homie. You know, real Gs don't wear gloves, homie. Real, G, real Gs get down in the street, homie, bone to bone, knuckle to knuckle, you know? And, and the little bitch ends up buckling. And so... Let's get it. You know, I'm here to fight. I'm here to fight my, my, I don't know how many fights I'm going to do here at BKFC. You know, I got a really good relationship with Dave Feldman. We built this, this fight for three years. We've been working on this contract and this business for three years. So I got a good, good relationship with him and I like the company. 
So I don't I don't see myself going anywhere right away. But um, I'm still open to doing uh, maybe a retirement mixed martial arts fight. You know that that's also an opportunity. I'm I'm still I'm still in this fight game for you know we'll see we'll see as long as God God has me here doing my mission for Him and and what I got to do in the fight in in the fights um, I'm here and I'm gonna continue to fight whether it be MMA whether it be boxing whether it be bare knuckle fighting championship so I'm I'm just trying to cement my legacy like hey man I did all this shit I did UFC I did fucking King of the Cage. I did boxing, I did BKFC, I did all that shit, and I did it all successful. So, you know what I mean? When you want to come and, and learn some stuff, come to me. Diego, let's talk about a mutual friend, a brother to us. So, we're in Vegas, as you know, our studio at the Mandalay Bay. You've been there many times. We got to know Stefan Bonner because he was a Vegas brother, we'll say, right? Absolutely. To you, he was the ultimate... Um, Ultimate Fighter Season 1, brother. You guys are like a fraternity. Uh, it it hit us all pretty hard, and I saw your post that buckled you to your knees. But what's your fondest memory of, of Stefan Bonner? You guys really, really kept in touch for a long time. I mean, even towards the end, he was cornering you, training with you. Ah, man, the fondest memory. Man, I don't know. I got some good ones. The fondest memory, probably just... Being out there in Abu Dhabi with him, and you know, now that he's gone, you know, it's not like the fighting or the training. It's, you know, I, I gotta spend some time with him and, and pray with him a little bit. And that that's definitely gotta be my fondest moment, other than the asparagus fight in the house. Just <laughs> stepping up to him, just being like. You ain't gonna punk me, big boy. I'm yeah. I, you might be bigger than me, but I'm Burka Street. You you'll get your ass whooped in this kitchen, homie. There ain't no weight classes in the kitchen, SF. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we're, he was my brother, man. I loved him and 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 it's been a, a tragic loss to lose someone that young. And yeah. you know. And it and it was just really more heartbreaking for me because you know, um, I went through my struggles, you know, through the, the course of 2000 and 2020 and, and 2021, um, you know, the whole Fabia scandal. And, and those were the hard times of my life, you know. But I saw Stefan struggling with things, you know, struggling with regret, struggling with anger and grudges and, and, um, I watched him heal himself through it. I watched him. I watched his house burn down. I watched him go. I watched him through the hard times, and in the end, after the last incident in the in the ER, he uh, he started getting some people reaching out to him. Doctor Bill Mikowski in in Utah stem cells was helping him out, getting him all the stem cells, all the treatments, not only for him but. Also for his son, Griffin, uh, autistic children. And so, you know, he was getting his shit together, man. He got a new job uh, working for insurance. And he was he had the podcast going. And the last message I sent him was like, hey, Stefan, you know, I'm here to support you. Anything you need for your podcast, um, if you ever need me on it, like whatever you need, I got your back. Just just know that you're supported, you're loved, and, and I got your back. And... Um, 
and that was the last message I ever heard from him. And I got a, I got the call on Christmas Eve, and well, you know, it kind of ruined my Christmas, really, honestly. <laughs> like, I was yeah. super happy with super happy with my daughter and my family. Then I'm like driving home, like, fuck, Stefan's gone. You know, he's, he died. You know, like, what he die of? Like, what happened? And then you're wondering, you know, because you're like, everybody wonders if it's a suicide, you know, and it's just said that's that's gonna hurt even more more heartbreaking more sad if someone took their own life in my opinion you know if one of my friends killed themselves that's more heartbreaking to me than if if they had a heart attack you know yeah oh well those are some really really nice words about your friend that's a tremendous final text i'm sure he read it and thanked you for it and when you step into that circle to fight austin trout you know, I'm sure you're gonna do a, a prayer and look up. He'll be looking down on you. You guys were very Absolutely. tight. All, Absolutely, all last, almost two decades. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, no, I'll never forget that guy. And and he was a good guy, man. He, he wasn't crazy. He wasn't crazy, and he didn't have CTE. And he was really, really intelligent. And um, he just was just struggling with things of life, you know, after UFC and and just. You know, the way things went with Forrest getting the PI job and him not getting the same support from the UFC. He held a grudge there and and he had some, you know, he was battling his demons, you know, and I was right there with him to to help him and, and, and be supportive of him and, and, and just be a friend and be a homie, you know. But um, I'll tell you the real truth. Yeah, he came out to New Mexico one time and we went to the mountains and I took him for a walk. And we went out there. We walked, man. We walked in the in the middle of the night, and we walked down this road. And we sat on the road. And this is in the mountain mountains. This is like not like this is like not like campgrounds and shit. This is like real mountains. And um, we just look up to the stars, smoking a joint together, <laughs> and. That dude was a monster, man. He he'd hit that that joint. I'm like, damn, what are you a giant, bro? I'm like, what are you a giant, dude? Like, save some for me, bro. And, and um, those one that was one of the most special moments for me. Yeah. Look up at the stars, and didn't need nothing else, man. You know, and just two homies, two brothers, going through life. Yeah, we all got struggles. We all got trials and our tribulations, man. And um, the only thing is I wish I could have spent more time with him before he passed. I wish I could have spoke more about the Lord Jesus Christ to him because, you know, he was he was more more along the Buddhist aspects. And and I and I and I always did tell him about Christ and, and about my beliefs and and he respected it. And and we had respect for each other's beliefs and we didn't judge each other. And, and it was a pretty special relationship. Diego, one last thing, because we have you. We don't often speak with you, but you brought up his name, uh, Joshua Fabia. Um, and you mentioned one more possible MMA retirement fight. So are you locked in with Eagle FC, who hasn't really done another show in North America? Sounds like they may not. Or could you even maybe come back to the UFC now that yeah, yeah, that other no, no. fellas out of your life? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it, right now um, I am under contract with Eagle FC for those two fights. I find a three-fight deal with them. But, see, the thing with Eagle FC is 
they're really cool, man. Like, like they're cool. Like they're not un, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not unreasonable because they know they're not, they're not giving you any shows to fight on. They're not giving you any opportunity. They're like, go get your money, make your money. If you need to make money and, and you got a family, go make your money. So that's how I'm fighting right now in BKFC. They had to sign off for it. And so, yeah, no, UFC is definitely still, um, um, uh, an opportunity, one last retirement fight. Um, um, I'll let you guys know right now that that uh, me and Dana, man, we've we've had some real discussions. We've had some real talks. We've let bygones be bygones, and like he don't hate me, I don't hate him. You know, it's all respect there. You know, and so yeah, there's a big, big, big chance that I could do one last retirement fight build myself back up and get back in the UFC for one last fight with another another great fighter, that would be amazing and that would be a dream come true and that would be the way that I truly like to go out of the UFC. But um, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to start with, uh, I got to hit Dana up and be like, Dana, hey, can you think the, the original Ultimate Fighter could come see some of his fans at, at the March 4th at the John Jones fight? You know, like, I want to go see some of my fans. You know, I miss and I love the UFC fans so much. You know, like, how about you get, can I get some tickets? <laughs> I know you can't do me a hotel room, but I'll get, I'll get my own hotel room. Get me some tickets. <laughs> and so we'll see. We'll see where, 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 where it goes. We'll see where the road leads. Um, right now, I'm in BKFC and just still continuing to build myself as a stand-up striker because – my entire UFC career, I was doubted, and 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 people just always thought that I couldn't stand up and strike, or that I wasn't a really uh, technical striker. And um, I put a lot of work in for 20 years to to become a technical striker, to have the understanding and the interpretation of what I'm doing out there with the with the footwork, with the distance, with the vision, with the movement. And um, putting all these things together, you know, before I was too old to do it. And that's why I'm doing it now in BKFC because I like striking with no gloves because, you know, the circumference area is smaller. It gets in. They're harder to block. And mm-hmm. so you have to fight different. When, when punches are harder to block, it's, it, you have to fight different. You know, like even if you block a knuckle with your hand, you could hurt your hand. Like it's, it's, it's a serious, serious sport. It's, this is the way God made us. You know, we don't we, – we, it's not the full – um mma with no gloves yet but this is the start and this is the evolution and the adaptation and we're watching all these fighters that um they're just coming in there and then some of them are brawlers you know some of them are real brawlers some of them are are boxers trying to be technical and some of them you know are just boxers just thinking that they could take off their gloves and and do the same same little same little stuff they did in the boxing ring, but um, everybody's going to see the evolution of of this sport as they watch the evolution of UFC. And um, I was a big part of that evolution of UFC, and uh, being a pure grappler coming in, you know, going all my entire career and doing what I did in there, I know that I made a difference. I know that I was a part of that UFC, and that's that's why I don't change my my Instagram. Um, my Instagram name because you know what I mean? I did 17 years. I am the original ultimate fighter. I, I earned that little UFC at the end of my name because 
I started that shit. I was the first one before Forrest and before before Bonner and Forrest did it. Man, I put on my most dominant performance of my career at the age of 22. You know, like, do you think that it's easy to pass Kenny Florian's guard and maul him and maul him? He's a black belt. When I fought him, he was a black belt. And he's really, really good at jujitsu. But you think it's easy to just get in there and just maul a man like that and make him look like a little bit of clay? No, it's not. I I did some great things in this sport, and I'm going to do some great things in Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Um, I hope that we can get the the legend Nick Diaz out of his contract, or or I hope we can get the Nate Diaz. You know, I want one of those big fights. Like these are the type of fights I want. You know, so for Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. So we'll see what happens. And um, all I know is that I got Austin Trout right now. I feel like this is a, a considerably safe uh, opponent and a safe fight for me. And I feel that I'm going to really have my way with him in there. And it's going to be um, quite the showing. And, and you know, he might, he might put some fight. He might put some fight back, you know. He, and if he puts some fight back, that's why I'm training, you know. That's why my rounds are three-minute rounds. I'm doing prepare, preparation for this fight, three minutes with professional boxers. And um, actually, I got to go because I got training. All um, right. It all goes down on February 17th, Friday, February 17th, BKFC Knucklemania 3, Sanchez and Trout in the co-main event, Richmond and Hunt in the main event. Don't miss it. Diego, thank you so much for the time. I hope to see you March 4th in Vegas. Uh, you deserve not only tickets – a limo pickup and hotel. So ask for it all because you're a legend. Oh, in the thank UFC. you, bro. You're, you're the, the OG when it comes you're to the, the ultimate fighter. Yeah, we'll we'll see, man. We'll see what uh, what Dana says. I'd love to go out there and see Vegas and see the fans. Yeah, your fans want to see you too. Your and fans want to see you too, I man. See John, I want to see John do his thing too, and and it's a great story. And I think that it would be pretty cool if they pan the camera to me. And the way I'm visualizing it is like, and we got the original Ultimate Fighter in the house today, season one, Diego, the Nightmare Sanchez, you know, and I'm just going to be like, yeah, what's up, peeps? Yeah, you like that bare knuckle knockout of Austin Trout? Yeah, <laughs> us MMA fighters can throw down. We do know how to get down. We do know how to fight on our feet. Like, don't be trying to say that boxing is the only way. You know what I mean? This is, and this is why this is such an intriguing fight. It is intriguing because it's something that you never seen before, and that's why I put this fight together with Austin because I wanted to give the fans and I wanted to give Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship something that would pull from both dynamics of boxing and mixed martial arts and sell as much as I mom. I want to be profitable, so you know, just doing the little little business that I can. Awesome. You guys have a good one, man. God Keep bless. All right, we'll see you, Diego. Bye-bye. Ooh, that went a little bit longer. We covered a lot. Yeah, but it was uh, good stuff. Good stuff from Diego. Yeah. Um, maybe one more in the UFC. I would like to see that. I think that would be the proper ending for a guy like Diego, an OG who's done this for so long. But Austin Trout, wow, that's a tough one. He's got a lot of confidence going up, but this isn't just like a club boxer. This is a former champion mm-hmm. of a proper organization. Oof, this one's tough. We'll see, though. Pauli Malianaji, I don't know what it was against Artem Lobov. I don't know if he just froze or 
you know, I know he's always had the kind of like the hands. I don't want to call them brittle hands, but you know, his, his hands are always been a concern or what. But he wasn't the same. So maybe Diego's hoping that something like that'll happen with uh, Austin Trout, where he might just not feel the same because you're gonna be throwing punches a little bit different. But I, 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 I don't really like this matchup too much for Diego. Speed kills, and this is a proper boxer, man. Yeah, age, wear and tear. Um, but I don't know. There was something to what he said about the dirty boxing. Yeah. And I can see that getting into a boxer's head and giving him problems, but you got to get him in that position too. That ain't easy. Well, that's what I thought Ben Askren or Tyron Woodley would be able to pull off a little bit with Jake Paul, but it didn't work out that way. Um, I did check, by the way, and Austin Trout was born in Las Cruces and lives in Las Cruces, so I don't know about this El Paso part, but I looked it up on BoxRec, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, UFC 283 on Saturday. Keep it locked throughout the week here for the best coverage of that huge event. There's a vacant title that needs to be filled in light heavyweight division, and for the fourth time, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno will lock it up. They will unify their undisputed and interim titles. Uh, some other pivotal matchups as well, including Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny. We're here for all of it. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific is when the watch-along starts. That's four prelims followed by a pay-per-view. If you don't get the pay-per-view, watch along with us. We'll tell you what's happening in real time. And lastly, our colleague Fada Hanoon with her preview show at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. You got to catch that as well uh, to get the appetite wet. All right, folks, we're out of here. Go out and be a champion as always. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>